0: Welcome to the Higher Potential Living podcast, where we discuss improving quality of life by exploring mind, body, and spirit through a mindful lens. Here's your host, Jason Mariciello. Hello, and thanks for joining once again on this episode of Higher Potential Living. Guess what? You get me. (laughs) You're getting a little bit of a glimpse into the inside of my mind uh, I kind of go on a bit of a, a rant a little bit. Um, but the idea behind this episode was to really take a lot of the concepts that have uh, kind of come up in in some of the previous episodes and start defining certain terminologies and defining some of these concepts, getting into them in a little bit more depth. And uh, do I go on a few tangents? Absolutely Um, But hopefully you get something out of this. uh, If nothing else, maybe just getting um, some thoughts provoked and maybe getting you thinking about things from a different way, whether you agree with me or not on some of these topics. It's always interesting to kind of hear someone else's perspective. So hopefully get something out of this episode. And uh, thanks for listening. Hello and welcome everyone on this episode of Higher Potential Living. I thought we would go through some of the different aspects that have come up in some of our other episodes. We've talked about things like trauma, we've talked about compassion, we've talked about certain Buddhist philosophies, yogic philosophies, and uh, I thought it would be a good idea to just kind of put an episode out there that kind of explains some of these things in more detail and get into some of these concepts in a little bit of a deeper way. So before I go too far into things, I'm actually going to start by just defining some things. Now, one of the things that come up a lot, one of the terms, one of the concepts that come up a lot in many of the episodes is this concept of trauma. So I just want to put out there before we get too far in that these are going to be definitions that I resonate with. A lot of the words that I'm going to be defining, uh, it could be disputed how it's defined and different people will define it different ways. So to start with trauma, I remember, I believe it was the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score, that explained it in a way that uh, really resonated with me. And that was talking about how the majority of our traumas are written when are fight, flight, freeze, you know, all those Fs, Fs, um, fight, flight, freeze, flinch, faint, all those. But basically that all that fun brainstem activity is uh, inhibited in some way. So when your instincts in a situation are telling you to behave in one of these manners, to fight, to freeze, to flee, and you can't, the, the severity of how inhibited you are changes how traumatized you may be in that now to go into this we are all in some way shape or form we've we've all been traumatized in our life even if it's just on the micro level and for some of us on a macro level so i want you to think about that just in your life think about moments where you know it can be it could be something small it could be where say you work in an office and you find out one day that all of the recycling from the bins ends up just going into the garbage at the end of it. Now you may see that and you may think, oh, I really want to fight. I really want to make a stand, say something about that. But if you have a fear, if you have a fear of losing your job, of the, you know, labels and stigma that might come from causing some sort of a fuss about that, then you may just kind of like bite your tongue And hold that in a little bit. And, you know, we have similar experiences to this in our relationships of all kinds, but that is one of those ways that you would be inhibiting your instinct to respond in a certain way. In this case, maybe it was fight. A more tangible example, if you were in a car accident and you want to flee the car, and say you're able to, you get to the side, you realize, oh man, that car is pretty beat up. It may shake you up a little bit still because there could be all kinds of uh, other fears that are triggered in that moment. But if you were in that same car accident and all of a sudden now your seatbelt is stuck and now you wanna get out of the car and the seatbelt's stuck and so you start panicking and you go even further into this state of being triggered by this, now that's probably going to write a deeper trauma of some sort. So we're just kind of looking at, again, just defining some of these terms right now. So when we think of it that way, again, these micro traumas are most likely to be written for most of us quite frequently. And it's the way that we handle that, the way we move on from that, that we're gonna be talking a little bit more about as we go through this episode now something else that i want to to define is going to be psychosomatics now psychosomatics is kind of uh, it came up in my episode with amanda came up definitely in my episode with natasha we're talking about how trauma is written now this comes into play a lot from our eastern philosophy comes up with um, buddhism it comes up with the yogic philosophies that our mind and body are essentially one. So if you are having trauma to the body, that that's getting written on the mind. And if you are having trauma to the mind, that somehow that's getting written in the body. Now, if we can get behind that, the really cool thing is that we can then use either the mind or the body to try to heal these traumas as well. So, you know, there's been some really interesting research out there that shows that uh, children who either have severe cases of neglect or maybe abuse are much more likely to develop asthma. So this is a case where that physical trauma or mental trauma can show up physically. There's been all kinds of other cases. So say that car accident case where you couldn't get the car or the seatbelt unstuck, that could manifest in someone being really hunched over maybe having an uncharacteristic shortness of breath, despite the fact that their lungs were not damaged, they may not use their chest. They may end up hunching over. They may take on a different posture just because they've written that trauma of being stuck, congested, all in the chest, and that remains, and a part of their mind still has this feeling as if they're still stuck. So that's that whole psychosomatic kind of thing, and uh, we've talked about that a few times as well. We're gonna talk about uh, we're going to talk about compassion in this episode as well, and one of the things I really want to mention when I'm talking about compassion is this idea of compassion fatigue. Now, compassion fatigue, by my definition, doesn't really exist, or at least when we're we think we're experiencing compassion fatigue, a couple different things could be happening. So to def- kind of get into that a little bit more, let's look at compassion. So compassion is by its nature, infinite. You, If you imagine yourself like a candle, and you are just letting out all of that light, that is your compassion. This is a byproduct of you being in that state of being. And anyone or anything that comes within the radius of that light is going to get that light shine on it and you can light many other candles with one candle and it doesn't take away from that initial candle. So that could be you. You could be out there lighting these lights. You could be out there shining that light on others and it's not taking away from you. Now I want you to imagine, and maybe you have some tangible experiences with this. If you were to all of a sudden try to limit who gets that light, So now your light's shining everywhere, you're just happy, you're going about your day, but there's certain people who are like, you know what, no, I don't want them, they don't deserve it, Uh, I don't want them to experience any joy out of the things that I'm doing. This is where it can start to be pretty exhausting, because imagine if you had this candle and you're trying to cup your hand around the light, try to allow it to only shine on certain people and not on others, that kind of like limited shining of your compassion can be quite exhausting. Now the other thing when people talk about compassion fatigue is I believe they're, they're actually talking about empathy fatigue. Now this is something that is real. And again, to get into that, let's talk a little bit about empathy. Empathy is one of these really, for the most part, celebrated abilities. And you'll hear people say it all the time like, oh yeah, I'm an empath. You know, it just comes naturally to me and all of this kind of stuff. And yes, it can be an amazing superpower if you wanna call it that, but it can also be a very dangerous tool. And the reason why this is is because empathy exists when you have a means of relating to another person. So maybe a similar experience or enough of a, a enough of a relatable experience that you can actually start to feel what that person is feeling. And, you know, we think about it in terms of us feeling their pain, but what really is happening when we look at the brain under these kinds of circumstances is we're reliving our pain. And I want you to think about those in your life that, you know, say that they're really empathetic or maybe this is you. A lot of the time, these are people who have led some pretty interesting lives that they've gone through a lot of trauma in their life. So that gives them this huge pool of traumas to tap into when they're around someone else that ends up saying, well, you know, my my boyfriend just left me or something like that. Then you empathize because you're remembering either on a conscious or a subconscious level how it felt in your body, in your emotions, in in your ruminating thoughts, all of that how it felt when you went through your breakup or or whatever the circumstance may be. So this again this can be really great superpower because when we can show someone when we're sitting across from someone and we can show them that we really get them, we can build some amazing rapport. We fire all those mirroring neurons and and all of a sudden we're building this rapport which which can really help people in this process of healing. But if we are in a situation where we actually get triggered to the point where we ourselves are now in a stress state, in a stress response, and that has all of the effects that it would have, including you know, um, affecting our metabolism and the way that we digest and receive nutrients and, and our muscle tension and our white blood cell count and all of this kind of stuff, if we're the type of person that has many friends and we're seeing many friends and all of our friends seem to be going through difficult times, that means that we're constantly in a stress state which, you know, we're reliving stress that isn't even real. It isn't even in the now any longer. It is projected stress or remembered stress from experiences that have already happened. So this is where it can be a really great tool, but we want to try to learn the ways that we can manage how we're triggered and really identify what our triggers are, identify the signs or the symptoms of when we're starting to get triggered and find some techniques and some tools that allow us to keep that distance from it a little bit. So we don't quite entangle with this empathy to the point where it exhausts us. You know, so when I started doing my coaching, I, I, did not think that I would have, by this point in time, heard the stories I've heard, experienced the things like some of the stuff that people go through is, it's mind blowing. And if I empathize with all of them, I wouldn't be able to be of much service to, to any of them. So a lot of the times I keep that distance and I can sympathize with people. I can recognize that they're going through hurt and I can see the symptoms in their body and their voice, all this kind of stuff. But I'm not going to entangle uh with that. I'm not going to allow it to trigger my own hurts. And there's ways that we can we can deal with this and maybe those are for different podcasts. You know, we we've used the term on this show before of doing the shadow work and all this and a lot of the times that's us coming to terms with our own traumas so that we can again recognize them we can shine some light on them so we can say ah yes i remember when i was there but man what what growth came from that and that's when we can get into some of this amazing like post-traumatic growth as well so we talked a little bit about compassion we talked about empathy um i want to talk a little bit about i want to talk a little bit about acceptance as well because I feel like acceptance is something that is associated with a positive attribute. When I believe acceptance by its very nature is rather neutral. You are accepting something and uh, you don't always have to like what it is that you accept. When we can get to that point of acceptance, then we're ready for whatever the next step is going to be. Acceptance is really bringing us into the now because we're ready to take whatever the next now is, and embrace it moment by moment by moment. So um, using that, I want to talk a little bit now about relationships. And I promise that I'm going to take all of these terms and I'm going to turn them into something that kind of makes sense. And I hope that you're keeping up with me at this point in time. If you need to pause, rewind, go back, or you just had enough of me, that's fine too. But I want to talk a little bit about our relationships. This can be Uh, Relationship with significant others, family, friends, doesn't matter. We're going to talk about relationships. Because uh, for those that may know, I am a, a wedding officiant. I see a lot of young couples in love. And it's really interesting when we see people creating their vows and all this kind of stuff. And there's just so much of this. A Twitter patient or whatever a fun word can be for this, um, where they're just so into each other, that honeymoon stays that we're talking about. And uh, through the different books that I've read and everything, I, I really now, I, I believe I see what most of us categorize as love as a combination of three different things. One part of it being passion. This is uh, what I would equate to all of the hormonal aspects of what really has us into another person. So this is um, you know, this can be a cocktail of chemicals. We experience this after sex, we experience this after really close, intimate moments. We get these hormones that just tell us, like, oh my goodness, this person is so amazing. I can't imagine not having them in my life. So that's that that's that passion. That's all of that really good juicy stuff there. And then we have attachment. And I believe that this is really a lot of um, the element of our upbringing. This may kind of go into some of that like Freudian stuff of, oh, we're all seeking different iterations of our, our parents or something like that in a partner, or we can go into even like attachment styles. And while well, this person um, meets my attachment needs, or this attachment bond meets my attachment needs, and all of this kind of stuff. So there's this almost like subconscious practical part of our brain that just says this person fits for me. And that may be based on traumas that may be based on all kinds of different things, but it's kind of like a subconscious logical, yes, this works very practical for us. So we have the passion, we have all this, and then we have what I really see as love. And uh, in my definition of love, love is when you really see someone for who they are, you really get to know them, you take the time to get to know them, you you would see (laughs) what we would consider their their quirks what some people may consider their flaws those are the things that they they often hold back they hide for long periods of time maybe it's their flatulence or their weird rituals when they wake up in the morning whatever it is you really get to know that about a person and then you accept them for it i really believe that this is like this is love this is the definition of love if you can really really see someone for who they are and accept them, and then I think that's that's where we're we're going with that. And I I remember watching Avatar, and there's this this piece there where they they hold their hands towards each other and they say, "I see you," and I I, I really see it as that, like really seeing the person across from you. Now again, this is where this idea of acceptance isn't always necessarily something that you like. Because I believe that you can love somebody, really love them, but may not want them in your life in certain capacities. Maybe if you really love someone, you see them for who they are, you accept them for who they are. That means you don't want to change them. You're not trying to turn them into somebody else. But then you recognize, well, maybe you as you are, which is perfect, is just not super compatible to be in a romantic relationship with me. Maybe we're compatible to be friends or or secondary partners or whatever your your lifestyle brings you to those conclusions for. So thinking about accepting someone, we can also flip it around and think about wanting to be accepted by people. And again, we have these fears to really let people see us for who we are. It's almost as if we build this image in our mind that unless I show people otherwise, they are going to think that I am an amazing dancer, an amazing singer, that I have, I don't know, a fantastic body, all these kinds of things. If we just don't let them see to the contrary, then this is what they're going to believe. So you know, we're terrified to sing in front of other people because we don't want them to know that we don't always sing on key. We're terrified to dance in front of people because no, 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 I'm going to look silly and all this. But again, this idea of really being accepted for who we are, truly feeling loved, could only happen when we let people see us for who we are. Let them hear how you sing. Let them see how you dance. I know, I know for myself, one of the hardest things that I had to uh, let people see about me was or or learn about me was my um, lack of skill in reading reading out loud for me is a very challenging thing and so i would always find excuses of why not to do that and it was not until i myself learned to love myself and accept myself and recognize yeah you know what i have other strengths i speak quite well and I can carry on conversation pretty well. And I make friends quite well and all this that I learned to love myself and accept and embrace my my issues with reading and spelling and all of that kind of stuff. And now when people, um, now when I'm, I'm around people or in front of people, I just own it. Uh, I'll be reading or I'll be, in a, put in a situation where I was like you know what I want this person to really see who I am so I find a situation where I read in front of them and let them see what that's like for me because when we want to see an entire person we, we find these situations that we really get to see the whole picture. There was actually a really interesting uh, the book Sapiens talks about intimacy in a really interesting way. I remember when I read that book it was quite impactful to me and they talk about how in original bands of people now of course this is from an anthropological study but original bands of people were in uh, intimate groups that usually wouldn't go past about 20 people it's believed that when we get beyond 20 we can't be so intimate any longer and this idea of intimacy is that you are in this group And I imagine that we're we're practically apes in our mentality at this point in time. And we're socially grooming. We're spending all of our time around each other. You know, we probably have multiple of us sharing a shelter. So you get to see and know everything about that person because you're spending so much time. So imagine a whole friend group of like 20 people. Truly loving each other, truly accepting each other for who they are, you would have no need for all of that ego. You wouldn't have to worry about like sugarcoating the way that you said something because yo, know, you don't wanna you don't wanna rattle the cage or anything like that. It would be free-flowing dialogue, it would be free expression of who you are, you'd fart when you needed to fart, you would do whatever other bodily functions you needed to do and it would be fully accepted. Everyone would be used to each other's bodies so they wouldn't be worried about, oh, I got to suck it in every time I take my shirt off or flex my muscles or something like that. Everyone would know who you are. And just imagine how liberating that would feel if you can really be yourself. So I want you to, I want you to think about this for a second and even ask yourself, do you allow yourself to be who you are even to you? When was the last time you just looked at yourself even in the mirror without sucking it in or flexing or something like that? Have you spent time really getting to know who you are? What are the things that you like to do? What are the things that you don't like to do? What are the things that trigger you? Where. Where do you feel anger come from? Where does sadness come from? Like really getting to know you and then telling yourself that you love yourself, then accepting all of that. I, I work with a lot of people and by the time they, they come to me as a, a mindfulness coach or a coach in other capacities, I find so often people are comparing themselves to others. They will they will be trying to uh, learn the way other people learn. They want their memory to work the way other people's memory works. They want to be able to perform or function in the way that other people perform and function instead of really learning who they are. And okay, great, these are my superpowers. These are where I maybe um, could use a little bit of development on, but how do I harness what I have, what I can do to really make the most out of my living experience in my life. So to go back to, I know I kind of went on a bit of a tangent there, but to go back to this idea of these three areas of love, the passion, the attachment, and the the what we'll call the true love um, or that acceptance, I want you to think about the relationships that you have. Now, pretty much all healthy relationships have a give and take of what you're both getting out of a relationship, right? For us to be in a relationship or want to be in a relationship, it's because we get something from it. And that sounds really selfish, but that's kind of the truth of the matter, especially if you go back again, back to our ancestors and and we're all helping each other in community and there's something to be said about that. So think about your relationships, your closest relationships, and think about those three areas. Who do you, like think about the passion that maybe exists in some of your relationships. And think about how that feels and how that feels different than maybe those that you have that attachment bond with. So this attachment bond could be like that practical element of being with that individual. It feels right. They, they meet your, your idea of security or... They complement your anxiousness or they complement the ability to give you space when you need it, but also act as a safe haven for you. So think about those who are attachment bonds for you and think about how that feels to have those bonds being met. And I don't know about you, but for me, those feel so different. The passion is hot. You can feel that uh, kundalini energy just like coming from that one point, coming up through the body it uh, comes in waves where I feel like that attachment bond element is very secure. It's that idea of being grounded with another individual. And again, this can be with, with friends as well. You can feel passion towards your friends as well. If you, if you like to do activities together or um, something like that that really gets your, your heart pumping, that's totally another form of passion as well. And then think about those that you can say yes i know them and i accept them and then think about the relationships you have where you truly feel seen and accepted and think about how that feels cuz often a lot of the times when we're talking about finding ourselves a lot of my clients they'll come to me and they say that they they feel lost and uh, you know we've all heard of the idea of a midlife crisis Well, oftentimes uh, we don't usually talk about the quarter-life or the three-quarter-life crisis, and all of these crises happen when we lose our sense of identity, and that's often because we're associating our identity with things. We're associating our identity with our jobs, with our titles, with this idea for the quarter-life crisis of a kid becoming an adult and all of this kind of stuff, but if you accept yourself for who you are, we would be able to more gracefully travel through these. So people, again, they'll come and they'll say, I feel lost right now. I don't know who I am. And going through that process of discovering who you are can be quite challenging because over our lifetime, right? We have to accept, we talked about traumas. We talked about how easy those traumas are written, but if we accept that traumas can micro traumas or macro traumas could be written fairly easily, then Pretty much all of us are walking flesh bags of trauma. So recognizing that right off the get go, there's going to be some quirks there. We all go through hormonal waves where we maybe do things we don't mean to do or say things we don't mean to say. And, uh, you know, we, we try to come to terms with all that. But if throughout our lives, we've had to develop these personas that don't actually resonate with who we feel we really are. And that's because oftentimes we're afraid of again, being seen. So, you know, there was that whole example of the recycling, not getting recycled properly. Okay. Well, I swallow that down. So now I have this other mask of, uh, someone who doesn't really care about where recycling ends up or something like that, or we allow our environments to keep shaping us. We kind of start placing these masks over our face and these masks are who we let people see us as well. Over time, if we wear these masks long enough, we kind of ourselves start to forget what our actual face looks like. and we start to look in the mirror and all we start to see is the mask as well. So you know there are times where maybe we need to maybe we need to uh, put on a mask, but recognizing just like with our empathy, that it is a tool that is an ability that we can we can, like any other ability, we can, we can harness, we can get better at it, we can strengthen our ability to put these masks on and then so freely take them off as well. And uh, and that's such a liberating thing. So getting to know who you are once you've lost that state of identity, and this can often occur when big life-altering um, situations happen. So I know a lot of people right now, I don't know if it's because of the COVID-19 or what, but I know a lot of people right now that are separating, getting divorced, going through breakups. And again, so many people are trying to discover who they are. And I was talking to someone the other day and I asked them, well, what do you like to do for fun? And this is after they just gone through a breakup and I said, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I need to, I think that's what this chapter of my life is about now is rediscovering what fun is for me and how I express it. And, uh, you know, this is something that we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait to go through these big shocking experiences like breakups or losses, loved ones or anything like that to, uh, to start to ask ourselves these, these kinds of questions. So going back to the idea of all of us being these walking flashbacks of trauma, um, we're going to talk a little bit about communication. And uh, one of the big things, I, I love this. This comes from uh, the four agreements, and then eventually there were five agreements, but uh, this was in the original four. And this is the idea of not taking things personally. Now, I wanna say that so many of these concepts, um, whether they're mindfulness concepts or yogic philosophy or any of this kind of stuff, like I recognize that it's easier said than done. Not taking things personally is extremely challenging, especially because most of the times when someone says something that we would take personally, they're directing it right towards us. Sometimes people even say, this is completely your fault. And to not take that as your fault is, uh, is very challenging. But so often in our interactions with people, What leads to conflict, what leads to tension within communication is very seldom ever about that very conversation. Like pretty much all of our confrontations, all of our conflicts are all about that idea of the straw that broke the camel's back. If, if we imagine that someone, I don't know, someone calls you in my case, I have no hair on my head. If someone called me baldy once like, Oh yeah. Huh, okay. Yeah, I am bald. Ha ha ha. Something like that. But it's when it happens over and over and over again till there's that one person that just happens to be the lucky number 99 person that said that and now you snap on them. And you maybe you start crying and and you I can't believe you said that to me and that that's so hurtful. Again, if it was the first time, it wouldn't be that hurtful. Trust me, I was <laughs> I was picked on quite a bit uh growing up. And I remember a lot of the insults and a lot of the things that people would say to me the first time you hear it, you brush it off. Second time, sure, you brush it off. But over time, it's that continuous strain on us that often leads to it. and And you know, again, think of so many of the conflicts that you have. It's about what's building up beneath the surface that it finally ends up kind of releasing. So even when someone says, "This is your fault and all this, and they're they're angry and they're projecting. Recognizing that you are one small piece of a much greater puzzle uh, can kind of sometimes help us not ruminate on it, not hold on to it so much, because we just see like, oh my goodness, okay, this person is experiencing hurt. This person has experienced hurt in the past, and now they're kind of projecting it. So when we're talking about communication, obviously, we don't always have to talk about confrontation, but recognizing that sometimes... It goes that way. And we don't need to take these things personally. Even the acts that are done towards us, you know, again, physical, emotional, all this, that if we can take on that mantra of it's not me, it's not personal, it's not about me. And we can, we can sympathize with the person. We can recognize, okay, yes, you're going through something right now. And sometimes simply saying, you know what? If something that I did hurt you, Whether that was my intention or not, I'm sorry. And uh, yet, so often we have spite that comes into our conversations and to our conflicts. And spite often stops us from being able to say, oh, if I, if I in some way contributed to your pain, I am completely sorry. But that's not saying that, that's not accepting, that's not, you know, agreeing, yes, this is my fault. This is just saying, like, for my part, my peace in this conflict or my peace in this experience, I apologize if it added to your stress. And that's a nice, easy way to just say like, okay, yeah, you're on your journey. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to put that on my shoulders. Now, talking about communication, um, again, we're all building up to this whole thing. We've talked about traumas. We've talked about acceptance. We've talked about love. And we've talked about all these kinds of things, including all these masks and everything that we wear. I want to talk a little bit more about communication. This is going to be kind of my last topic um, because, again, this comes up. This has come up in a lot of the episodes that we've had so far. And uh, I just wanted this episode to kind of flesh out a lot of the things that I've mentioned, kind of plugging in between other people's comments. So the idea of effective communication, man, there are so many. There are so many communication uh, courses you can take, books you can read, skills that you can learn. You know, we can, we can, um, we can learn active listening and ways of like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. And repeating things back to people. So is this what you're what you're saying is is this? Is this what I'm understanding? And getting people to repeat things back to us. There's so many tools that we can use. But I feel like to really effectively communicate we need to honor the level of honesty that needs to come through. So again, actually, one of the uh, the four agreements was being impeccable with your word. And they talk about in there, is it kind? Is it necessary? You know, all these different um, criteria for being impeccable with your word. But I want to ask or I want you to think about in moments where you're perhaps not particularly honest or you straight out lie, sometimes we feel like we have to in order to in order to smooth things over, whatever. But when you are not being fully honest, what is stopping you from doing it? A lot of the times when we think about it, it boils down to a sense of fear, shame, guilt. And then if we're having those, you know, those are all learning experiences. So there have been times where you know, I've caught myself and like, keep in mind, I teach this kind of stuff and I still do it. So again, I'm not trying to hold anyone to any crazy standards where I'll catch myself in a a bit of a confrontation. Someone will say like, Hey, where did you put this thing? Um, If, if my, if my in-laws are listening to this, here's a great example. Uh, When we were first moving in uh, to this uh, apartment that we, we established at my in-laws place, uh, there was a lot of tools moving around and all of this kind of stuff. And I remember my father-in-law confronting me at one point in time and and said, uh, hey, I left this tool in your apartment or something. Um, do you remember where you put it? Or, you know, what'd you do with it? And I remember just for some reason, there was this instinct in me to say, oh no, I put it, I put it right back where it was supposed to go. Knowing very well that it wasn't. Knowing that it was actually in like my tool bag or something like that. And I kind of waited until, until they turned the corner and then I grabbed the thing and then I went and I, I put it back. And I reflected on this later and just thought like, why? Why would I do that? We're obviously in a bit of a chaotic time. Our tools at the time were all kind of mixed, mash and all this kind of stuff. If I had just said, yeah, actually, you know what? I wasn't even thinking. I put it in my tool bag. Let me go grab that for you. Ultimately, it would have been fine. But I felt a little bit of shame at the fact of like, oh my goodness, Jason, you, you got to stop doing this. You got to stop taking these tools that aren't yours and putting them into your tool bag and all this kind of stuff. So I ended up, I ended up lying, fibbing, whatever you want to call it. So again, if we think about trying to live our life with our acceptance for ourselves, we're accepting ourselves even when we make those mistakes. And if we want to try to be loved by the people around us, then show them that yeah we kind of sometimes make mistakes as well we can be honest and if people around us really accept us really love us for who we are then they're not going to attack us they're not going to you know berate us for the next 15 minutes or anything like that we'll be able to move forward from that place and use it as a learning experience okay so this has happened a couple times now. How do we move forward trying to ensure that my tools don't end up in your tool bag anymore? And then maybe we come up with a strategy. Maybe we come up with some sort of a system or something like that. So again, if, if we could actually think of what would it feel like to communicate from a place of pure honesty, really owning the things that we do, getting rid of the shame, getting rid of the guilt, getting rid of the fear, all these things that contribute to our anxiety, to our depression, to our stress levels, and think about what that would feel like. You know, I've I've worked with couples as well, and uh, I was I was working with a couple who had a bit of an issue because the the male in the couple um, was caught looking at other females. Well, okay, let's let's talk about that. So all of a sudden now, this man is looking at these other females. And, uh, you know, wasn't doing anything physical with them or anything like that, but it made the, it made his partner uh, feel insecure, made his partner feel maybe a little bit jealous or whatever the fact may be. So then he started getting defensive and trying, no, no, no I wasn't, I wasn't doing this and it's no big deal. And, you know, feeling like, again, some shame and some guilt around it, which as a defense mechanism turned into anger. She started getting angry. Well, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, what does it mean to be faithful in a relationship and all of this kind of stuff? When the truth of the matter is like, we can all recognize, we all identify what society would recognize as attractive people, or maybe whatever your definition is of attractive people. Like we're all primates. We're all these apes underneath all of this. We still have the instinct to eat when we're hungry, and recognize what we would want to mate with and all of this kind of stuff that's there. What if we can get to a point in our our relationships where we can say, "Oh, that 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 person is very beautiful, physically, emotionally, for, you know, whatever they uh have presented inside, all of this kind of stuff. They're really beautiful people." And then be able to say, "Oh, yeah, they are beautiful people." And be able to share in that honesty. And because again, this is a utopian society, but from that place, we all feel secure, we all feel happy, we all feel blessed to be around each other. The world would just feel a whole lot lighter, a whole lot lighter if we can just be gone with so much of the games that we play, so much of the the masks, so much of the deceptions that we put on to try to hide what we're really thinking to, you know, speak in riddles because we don't want to just come out and say it. And then when people do come out and say what they really think that, oh, well, that's weird. People don't do that. And then making people feel guilty about it and all this kind of stuff. When can we just learn to all love each other, accept each other for who we are, accept that in this big puzzle that we have called planet earth, that there are all kinds of different shapes and not all of them are going to be compatible. You can try to jam two pieces of the puzzle together, Um, but if it's not the right one to fit there, it's not going to fit there, but it's going to fit somewhere else. Everyone fits somewhere in this puzzle, so just accepting everyone for who they are, loving everyone for who they are, I think it would be a much uh, easier, lighter, better place. Well, I believe that I rambled on enough in this episode. Hopefully, you were able to get something out of it And uh, if you have thoughts on any of this kind of stuff, or if you have something that you think a story or an expertise that you think would be uh, a great contribution to this podcast, please reach out to me. I am always looking for new perspectives, new things to contemplate, new people to have conversations with. I think this is how we learn. This is how we grow. Even if you say, Jason, I completely disagree with what you said that's amazing that's only going to help me grow it's going to help me dispel my ignorance and all of that as well so uh yeah let's do that for each other let's let's be in touch so if you're ever wanting to get in touch with me you can reach me at info at com, or you can just go to higherpotentialliving.com find me in the contact page and uh, we can get in touch thank you so much for listening continuing to listen to all of our episodes And uh, I look forward to continuing to put these out there for you and hopefully hearing from some of you in the future. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Higher Potential Living podcast. If you would like to learn more about Higher Potential Living and the services we offer, please visit www.higherpotentialliving.com. We offer different online courses, in-person courses, mindfulness and meditation retreats, And we have a variety of different coaches that are there to help you with anything that you might be going through. So please check us out. You can also help support the work we do by subscribing to this podcast anywhere you're listening, and of course, sharing it and telling your friends all about it. Thank you so much and have a great day.